welcome to Voices from Freeze LA, brought to you by luxury fashion destination, Matches Fashion. I'm Bryony Stone, head of editorial at Matches Fashion, and in this series, we head to LA to celebrate Freeze and see the city through the eyes of history-making LA insiders. In this episode, I'm talking to Dr. Wu, the celebrated tattoo artist, who has recently released a new visual book, Everything is Permanent, which features images of his tattoo studio, as well as his work and inspirations over the years. We speak about the LA scene that nurtured him, and how he has become one of the most influential practitioners of his craft in the world. As an LA native with his ear to the ground, Wu told us about the art scene in LA, the emerging artists he's watching, and his philosophy that art, tattoos and fashion are one and the same. So in the past, you've created a jewellery line and you've also created a skincare brand and now a book, Everything is Permanent. So why did you choose a book as a medium? You know, as most publishers do, they look for a bunch of content and maybe, you know, I have a lot of visual imagery documented and my career may sound on paper a lot to others bigger than I thought it was at the time. Um, I actually turned the idea of a book down because I felt that the, a book should be a culmination of, you know, all your archives and, uh, you know, the, the journey you took to get there and it's a, it's a way to reflect back. But, you know, they, they we had an interesting idea to do this book more of like a scrapbook and uh, kind of, brain inspirations that I've had and creations that I've had kind of splattered into a bunch of pages. And I wanted to find a cool way to make this book where it wasn't like, uh, you know, my life's complete and here's a retrospective of what I've done. Uh, and we actually, the person that linked me with, with this publisher, we decided like, you know, he's a publisher, Jared, and we're like, why don't we make this book ourselves? Because we have more freedom, more control. So we decided to go from there. And it was just the conversation that we had from, uh, you know, pre-COVID. It was, it was it was actually started quite a bit ago. And slowly but surely through the process, we kind of got to the point where we're at now and enlisted uh, the great Brian Rotinger. Uh, the great book designer and designer in general to help put this thing together. And uh, that's where we are. And looking back, you grew up in a city in Santa Monica in the mountains. And as a teenager, the tattooing tradition was taught to you uh, by Mark Mahoney, who is, of course, the principal artist at Shamrock Social Club, which is a celebrated tattoo shop on Sunset. When I started originally, it was it was the community of tattooers was very close knit, but the accessibility for the clientele was spread so wide. And the goal back then, you know, working at a street shop was to tattoo as many people as possible. So with that in mind, if there was a need for the consumer to come get that, there were so many options and the designs were fun and they were left up to the client. So 
in that sense, you know, anything was game. The access was easy. And price-wise, the entry point was comparable all around. It's interesting to hear you speak about accessibility because last time you spoke to Matches, uh, you mentioned your friendship with Noah Davis, uh, who died back in 2015. And he was obviously notable for his figurative paintings um, and also for the Underground Museum, which is a black-owned and operated art space dedicated to the exhibition of museum quality art in what was then a culturally underserved African-American and Latinx neighbourhood in L.A., Um, So accessibility was one of his big visions for the area. I would love to hear you speak about the legacy that Noah has left, both for the community and also for you personally, and hear about how his spirit continues to live on through the work um, that he made and that the Underground Museum continues to make. It's to me such an important part of pushing the arts forward in any community to know what is possible Um, And just, you know, bringing awareness to those pockets and uh, areas of creativity that we all have, especially making it accessible um, to those who normally don't have that uh, accessibility to those things. And that is so important because, you know, it opens up the gates and it gives everyone a fair shot and the vision to know you know, I can do this too. And I think in any area where we're opened up to something, to even just have a perspective and think about something differently in a creative way, it's it's truly important. And I have a painting of his, you know, right in the center of my house so every morning when I wake up, I see it. Um, you know, it brings a smile to my face. His work, I think, looking at it now, um, seems very prescient and it feels very future facing, I think, in part maybe because some of his work is quite mystical. When we think about people that are making work um, that is forming the future and shaping society and shaping the culture um, that we're living in, which emerging uh, designers or creatives or artists are you seeing at the moment that you feel that we should know about? So who's kind of making future visual history at the moment for you? Um, you know, I, I, it's a tough question because there's so much visual stimulation and artworks being made, you know, especially with the digital uh, platforms that we're constantly on daily. Um, but a friend of mine did share uh, a work he had just collected um, by this artist named Eliza Douglas, I believe. He was telling me about her, uh, and, you know, she was a, a model in the a Balenciaga campaign. Um, and then when I, when I actually saw it, I was, like, really blown away. Uh, the scale of the work and the detail, um, you know, it's, it's really cool. And, uh, it's, to me, it's something a little bit fresh, um, you know, the contrast, bright colors, and taking almost super pop culture imagery that we know, but twisting it and and um, crinkling it in a way that it reinterprets the image. Uh, so yeah, it, that was something that I was really um, kind of made me take a step back and sit there and go, "Huh, this is this is very interesting." 
I'm going to, I'm going to look at this a little bit longer, uh, a little bit longer than most things that come by, you know? I think the crinkling is really interesting. The idea of scrunching, as you say, these images which are recognisable and kind of rendering them somewhat unrecognisable, but still you can see what they are. So you can see these characters or these forms that we know from pop culture. Yeah, I definitely, it's definitely something I want to delve into more and see see what else she, she's been working on. Because there's, I do see some kind of patterns and uh, other types of imagery that seems familiar, but yet a little bit awkward and uh, presented in a different way. And it seems that she's making music as well and does like visual direction and creative direction, um, for example, for that Palais de Tokyo show. Mm. So it's interesting to see work that clearly she's a very accomplished painter but also that her work spans in lots of different directions which for me is always like such a pleasure and a joy to see i think for me too as an artist that likes to take whatever vision or idea i have at the moment and finding the right medium or the white the right voice to tell that idea um, for so long, it's been kind of you are put in this box as this certain, you know, you, you can only tell stories this way. But we're at a time now that the freedom to be able to to move and and approach things differently has been the gates have been a little bit more opened. So when you speak on that and I see and do a little more research about this artist, it's it is nice and inspiring to to see people actually doing it at such a high level. And then thinking about Freeze, what are you most personally excited about? It's, I mean, hopefully this year will be somewhat uh, the same as it always felt in the previous years. Of course, we have all these um, restrictions on being together in big spaces. Um, But, you know, anytime art is put together in one place and it's so accessible and to see everything uh, it's quite exciting and seeing faces you know um, that you don't normally see in town and the whole premise of the time to be there is to to look at these works and appreciate them and you know get involved in in uh, the movement of you know expression and having them all in one place from all different backgrounds, all the different galleries. And um, so quite excited to to embrace that again. And I know it's at a different venue this year, I believe. So I'm kind of um, also hyped to see what they have in store. Yeah, and I guess as well how that change in venue um, changes the fair itself. So moving out of that, what I always felt like was quite a set. It was, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, literally a set, literally a set. <laughs> I guess having that new context as well will change how the fair itself feels and how it feels to move around through the fair. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm from here, so it was kind of nice to see it in our, in your own backyard in a sense. Um, but for others coming, maybe if they don't come to L.A. much, it was almost like this beautiful cliche idea of having, you know, the the first time the art fair at uh, the back lot of a, you know, 
movie TV set in Los Angeles seems very appropriate. But I'm curious and excited to see another way to tell the LA story and still and share the art again. Um, you know, because it is multifaceted, this this city and the appreciation for art is, is always been so great here and fostering so many artists. Um, so it, I'm definitely excited to see Freeze in Los Angeles 2022. Absolutely. And for people who are coming to visit Freeze, um, if they had 24 hours in the city, what would you recommend that they do or where, where would you recommend that they go that is a tough question, and I'm probably going to answer with with food destinations. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get some great tacos. Where, you know, when I travel, I, I when I go to a place, I want to get something that you can't get anywhere else, and it's uh, highlighted especially in that city. And I do think LA has the best tacos in the world. There are several sushi destinations I would definitely have to hit. Uh, In-N-Out Burger is a definite must. And of course, they're here for the art, but they'll be doing that for free. So I'm not gonna mention any of the great museums that we have here. You know, one of the, you gotta take one of the wonderful hikes in LA. There's something about being able to cross over from a really busy, metropolis into a quiet nature setting and being able to teleport back and forth. Um, I, I love that about the city too. I think you'd have to find one of the hikes. Food and hikes. You can eat the food and then burn the calories. Perfect. It's a win-win combination. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. The art. Yeah, of no course worries. the art. Voices from Freeze LA is a Matches Fashion podcast. Please hit subscribe to discover future episodes and share with anyone you think might enjoy it. To discover what's on and see the city through the eyes of history-making LA insiders, head to matchesfashion.com or join the conversation online by searching for Matches Fashion.